This is the Italian Citizenship Podcast, hosted by Marco Permunian and Rafael Di Furia. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Italian Citizenship Podcast, presented by ItalianCitizenshipAssistance.com. I'm here again with Italian attorney Marco Permunian, the head of the U.S. office of ItalianCitizenshipAssistance.com, and an Italian attorney. Welcome back, Marco. How are you doing? Good. Thank you, Rafa. So today, we wanted to talk about some very important terminology when it comes to Italian citizenship. In these podcasts, we've used a lot of terminology that sometimes uh, we've noticed that there are a few people here and there who don't quite understand what exactly it is that we're wanting to talk about. So we're wanting to just go a little bit more into depth and define the terminology that we use, or if and if you go on to the Italian Citizenship Assistance website, um, and if you're looking up uh, information about this process at all, there may be terminology in English and Italian that may be new to you that uh, would be something that would be unfamiliar to you if you're not in the legal field just anyway. So let's maybe get started off with the first term, which is probably the most important term, and the reason why most people would be watching our podcast on citizenship, Jure Sanguinis. Care to explain what that is? Jure Sanguinis is a principle according to which citizenship is passed from parent to child, regardless of where the child was born. So citizenship is not acquired because the person was born in a specific country, but rather uh, it, the, the child acquires the same citizenship that one or both parents have. This principle is applied in Italy and in many European countries as the main principle that regulates the transfer of citizenship. There is a different principle which is called USOLI, which is used primarily in Canada, the US, South America, according to which citizenship is obtained because the person is born in that specific country. So you become a U.S. citizen because you were born in the U.S. Normally, when a country adopts a principle, also adopts the opposite principle as an exception for more like specific cases. For instance, in Italy, we also have the use solely principle, but it only applies to children born on the Italian territory to stateless or unknown parents. On the contrary, for instance, in the US, they also have the Jure Sanguinis principle, which applies to the children of, Ita- of US citizens born in a foreign country. So if you are a US citizen uh, who has a child born in a foreign country, that child becomes a US citizen through Jure Sanguinis, meaning because the parent was a US citizen when the child was born. And so you actually briefly touched on use solely, but another use principle that I think might be worth talking about is uh, use matrimoni, jure matrimoni. Maybe just a little bit about that. Very briefly, jure matrimoni means citizenship acquired through the marriage. So it indicates that process that a person can go through to get citizenship through naturalization, but based on the marriage. So the person applies petitions for Italian citizenship based on the fact that that person is married to an Italian citizen. And while we're on the topic of the ways that a person can gain citizenship, uh, what about citizenship by naturalization? What's the difference between jure sanguinis and naturalization? When a person acquires citizenship through naturalization, that person is petitioning to become a citizen of that country. Whereas 
the person who obtains citizenship by descent, so the recognition of the citizenship you're a sanguinist, that person has always been an Italian citizen and is just going through a process to have their citizenship recognized. Uh, whereas when you petition to become a citizen of another country based on your residency in that country, for example, like in Italy, people can uh, petition to become Italian citizens after 10 years of legal full-time residency in Italy. In that case, we can say that the person is becoming naturalized. Also, the term naturalization is very relevant for the citizenship by descent process in regard to the ancestor because as we said many times in our videos it is uh, important to determine when your ancestor became naturalized in the u.s to determine if you qualify for italian citizenship by descent and the naturalization in the u.s of your ancestor is the same thing that we just said with regard to someone who wants to become a naturalized Italian citizen. It means like when the ancestor uh, petitioned to become a citizen of the U.S. And while we're on the subject of naturalization, something related to that, the um, petition for declaration and um, petition of intention for somebody who's, whose ancestor went from Italy to America, this can be these two different specific documents can be very important when determining eligibility for Italian citizenship. The naturalization process for an Italian ancestor who emigrated from, from Italy to the U.S. was a multi-step process. So as we said in another video, the first step was filing a declaration of intention and the second step was filing a petition for naturalization. So as you pointed out, there are two separate documents. The first one is a document through which the person was declaring their intention to wanting to become a U.S. citizen, whereas the petition was like the formal application for U.S. citizenship, which could have been denied or approved. And a frequently asked question is, with regard to the citizenship by descent process, how do I determine when my ancestor became naturalized, the exact date in which my ancestor became naturalized? And it doesn't matter when the declaration of intention was filed, what counts is the date in which the petition for naturalization was approved and the person was admitted to become a citizen of the U.S. That's when the person is considered to have become a citizen of the U.S. and that's the date that can determine if you qualify for Italian citizenship by descent or not. And just while also we're on talking about a person's uh, ancestors, I think a very important uh, t topic to talk about would be the difference between an ascendant and a descendant, because I know that can be quite confusing at times, because these are terms that we don't hear too much about. Normally, we refer to uh, an ascendant when we have to describe like someone who was born prior to another person, like the father of a specific person or the grandfather, or the great grandfather, and the descendant would be someone who was born after. So the child, the grandchild, or the great-grandchild. And while we are on the subject, there are other two terms that I believe are very important. The Italian-born ancestor, so normally we refer to the Italian-born ancestor as the person who was born in Italy, the last person born in Italy. So, of course, normally people have like multiple Italian-born ancestors, but the one that you have to take into consideration to see if you qualify for Italian citizenship is your last Italian-born ancestor. And the intermediate ascendants would be the people in between your Italian-born ancestor and yourself. So 
in the vast majority of the cases, the Italian-born ancestor for someone who is of Italian descent is the great-grandparent. And so the intermediate ascendants would be the individuals in between the great-grandparent and the applicant. So potentially the grandfather and the father or the mother of the applicant. And this terminology can be quite important when you are, for instance, communicating with a consulate or with an Italian municipality, or even when you are gathering information online on the Italian dual citizenship process, you will hear like these terms a lot, Italian-born ancestor, ascendant. So it is very worthwhile to make sure you understand that terminology. And when we're talking about someone's ascendant, something that can come up that's very important is the um, certificate of non-existence if that person never naturalized. So what exactly is that? When you are applying for citizenship by descent, you either have to prove when your ancestor became naturalized in the U.S. or that your ancestor never became naturalized. When you have to prove a non-naturalization, you normally have to provide a certificate of non-existence of record, meaning a document stating that the entity that has all of the naturalization records does not have any file or anything on your ancestor. So you submit a request, they conduct a research, and if the research shows that there is no file or any document related to your ancestor, you get a certificate of non-existence of record. Normally the entities that issue certificate of non-existence of records that you have to use in the citizenship process are primarily USCIS in Washington DC, which held naturalization records statewide starting from 1906, and the National Archives, which are regional offices that held some of the naturalization records for their specific area and especially because it can another factor that can also be very important is that your ancestor uh never renounced their citizenship a term that often gets thrown around is non rinuncia i kind of went into it a little bit but maybe just to go into a little bit more detail why is that so important first off the naturalization of your ancestor is a different thing from the renunciation to Italian citizenship. So not only you have to prove that your ancestor either never became naturalized or when your ancestor became naturalized in the US, but also you have to prove that your ancestor and also that all of your intermediate descendants and yourself have never renounced their Italian citizenship. So you prove that through self-declarations that you have to sign, that your living ascendants have to sign and that you have to sign on behalf of your deceased ascendants, through which basically you prove that you state, I should say, that to the best of your knowledge, there is no renunciation to Italian citizenship. Of course, when you present the application to the consulate, they also verify the accuracy of that information. So they actually search in their files to make sure that what the, what you are declaring is correct. So along with those documents that go to show that somebody didn't lose their Italian citizenship, the documents to prove that that person had Italian citizenship, maybe it might be worth uh, going into the Italian side of the Estrato di Nascita. What exactly is that? Estrato di Nascita is basically the birth certificate normally of your ancestor. So it's an abstract from the registry of the birth's 
of a specific Italian town. So normally what you have to request to apply for citizenship by descent is the estratto di nascita of your ancestor, which is basically his birth certificate. You don't necessarily need that specific format to be able to apply for citizenship by descent. You can also get like a book copy of the birth certificate or like a long version of the birth certificate as long as it indicates the name of the parents of your Italian-born ancestor. And are there any other important estrati that are important for this process? Yes, the estrato dell'atto di matrimonio, which is basically the marriage certificate, which you do need in that specific format when you are applying for citizenship through marriage. So for people who apply for citizenship through marriage under the current law, uh, they have to present several documents. And among these documents, uh, there is the estratto dell'atto di matrimonio, which is the marriage record coming from the Italian municipality, and that needs to be in that specific format. So when you're requesting that document, you have to make sure that you are requesting the estratto dell'atto di matrimonio. And so since we've spoken so much about the documents necessary, um, I know that there's the step beyond the documents and the certifications. Uh, maybe just first off, what would be the difference between a uh, just a regular copy of a, of a birth certificate and a certified copy? When applying for citizenship by descent, first of all, you can't use photocopies. So what you need is certified documents, so certified copies of the original documents. Also, a lot of people, and this is very important, a lot of people are under the impression that they can use like older certified copies or even like the original co certified copy given to the person at the time of the birth of the child or at the time of the marriage, so like very old documents, which are fully valid documents, but they cannot be used for the dual citizenship process because what the consulate requires is recently issued certified copies. So you should get fresh certified copies from the vital statistic offices because although older documents like older certified copies are fully valid for other purposes. For the dual citizenship process, you need these documents to be apostilled. And the apostille can only be attached to recently issued certified copies of documents because what the apostille does is it certifies the signature of the person who signs the document. So the apostille is issued by the, normally by the, secretary, the office of the Secretary of State, at least in the U.S., and the office of the Secretary of State only has on file the signature of the state registrars or, or clerks that, that, that work in a specific area in a specific time frame. So normally they have the signatures of the, the people who work in the vital statistics offices now or that have been working in the vital statistics offices recently. So if you have an older certified copy, you can't really use it for the dual citizenship process because you can't get it apostilled. So actually, I think we've maybe already used this term a few times already. Um, we keep using the term vital statistics, vital records. What exactly does that mean? It's basically records of major life events, such as like birth certificates, marriage records, death certificates, which are the documents that you have to use to prove that you qualify for Italian citizenship. Um, and while we're on the subject of the documents necessary, a name change decree that is something that from time to time can be important. What exactly is that? 
a name change decree is a court document that indicates that someone changed their name. And it can be even important in the dual citizenship process. You may or may not have to present it to the consulate depending on whether or not the records were um, amended, the vital records were amended accordingly. But uh, in most cases, it is advisable to present also the name change decree to the consulate, uh, both in the case that one of your ascendants changed their names or last names, and in the case that you actually changed your name or last name. Uh, it may not be necessary to present it to the consulate if you amended your birth certificate after you legally changed your name, but it can be wise to have it like just just in case it comes up, just in case the consulate want to see that document too. And something else that can potentially come from a court would be certificate of non-appeal, unless I'm mistaken. That is something that is very specific to the dual citizenship process. It's a document that can be quite difficult to acquire, and it needs to be acquired in relation to a divorce record. So when you are, like you, the applicant for dual citizenship or divorced, or when one of your ascendants in the Italian line is divorced, not only you need to acquire the judgment of divorce and potentially the settlement agreement, but the Italian consulate also wants you to present a document which is required under the under Italian law to prove that the judgment of divorce is final, so that there is no appeal to the judgment of divorce. And you can prove that through a document which is called Certificate of Non-Appeal. Now, I mentioned before that it's it can be difficult to acquire this document because some courts in the U.S., they are not really familiar with this document, so you may have to... To explain to them what this document is. So to recap, what you need in case of divorce is the certificate of non-appeal along with the judgment of divorce and the settlement agreement. The consulate cannot accept a certificate of divorce, uh, which is very important because uh, many people ask me, like, I have my certificate of divorce, which some states issue. Can I go to the appointment with that? And the answer, no, you need is the answer is no, you need the divorce, like the full judgment of divorce along with the other documents that I mentioned. And then just another word that has to do with this area of the documentation used, discrepancies is something that we often mention. Um, I'm sure a lot of people understand it, but just to clarify what we mean when we're talking about discrepancies. The information on the vital record documents that you present to the consulate should be as consistent as possible. So if you notice any major or minor inconsistencies or discrepancies, you should look into the possibility of amending your documents because one of the main causes for rejection of an application or, or uh, like a cause for delay is indeed uh, having documents that present discrepancies. And I have also to add that discrepancies are unfortunately very, very common. So it is very uh, common for people to have documents that present inconsistencies and major or minor discrepancies. And moving on to some more uh, Italian terms, something that can often come up and be a little bit confusing because of the names of these places, but comune, 
provincia and regione. Sometimes you can have the comune and provincia can have the exact same name, which can be a little bit confusing for somebody who's looking for their documents and knowing exactly where to look. What are the differences between these? A comune is a town with municipal offices, so with a town hall, a mayor, and sometimes it's a city itself. Some other times it can have like other villages attached and basically the comune where the town hall is, where the mayor is, would have jurisdiction also over the villages that are attached to the comune. And the provincia is almost the equivalent of a county for people who are in the U.S. So like a major area that includes like different towns. And the region can be compared to a state in the United States. Um, so it's, it's an even bigger area that includes like different province which include like different towns and comuni so for example like right now we happen to be in the city of rovigo which is also the comune of rovigo which is also the provincia the province of rovigo uh, but within the veneto region correct and while we're on the subject of italian terminology there's another term that can often be a little confusing for people. The difference between a permesso di soggiorno and a visa. This is something that in Italy can function a little bit differently than in other countries. So the visa is the document that allows you to enter the country. So you apply for the visa from within the US through the Italian consulate in the US and that's the document that allows you to enter the country. But just one clarification, for many people, it's not actually needed to have a visa to enter Italy. So for those countries who participate in the visa waiver program, like people from America or from Canada, those people can stay in Italy for up to 90 days based on the stamp that is uh, put on their passport when they arrive at the airport in Italy. A permissibly sojourner residency permit instead is something that you apply for from within Italy. Normally, after you have gotten your visa in the US. So the process is you apply for the visa in the US, for example, the elective residency visa. And then from when you arrive in Italy, you have eight days to, to apply for the permesso di soggiorno, which is the document that instead allows you to continue residing in Italy for the duration of your visa. In some cases, it's possible to apply for a residency permit without having applied for a visa beforehand. For example, the people who apply for citizenship by descent directly in Italy, they don't have to apply for a visa before they travel to Italy. If they are from a country that is included in the list of the countries that don't need a visa to enter Italy. So those people can just can just can go to Italy and apply for the residency permit directly in Italy based on the citizenship application that they have filed in Italy. And one last thing, the residency permit uh, doesn't have to be confused with the concept of residency. So a lot of people are confused by this very similar terminology. So in Italy, residency means being registered with the population of a specific Italian town. So you can be in Italy on a residency permit without ever register 
with the population of an Italian town, even if you're supposed to, but if you don't actually go and do it, you will never be registered. And the residency is like having residency in a specific Italian town is very important, for example, for people who are in Italy on a visa and want then to apply for citizenship through residency. For example, like people from another EU country who, by the way, don't even need a visa because they are within the European Union. Those people who, if they relocate to Italy, for example, like a French citizen who relocates to Italy, if that person doesn't register as a resident in a specific town, after four years, that person is unable to apply for citizenship based on the residency. So it is only possible to apply for citizenship based on residency if you have been registered as a resident for the four years before speaking about like EU citizens, because like for other people, it takes 10 years to be able to apply for citizenship. And as we said in another video, people of Italian descent can apply for citizenship through residency after three years of full-time residency in Italy. I'm actually really glad that you brought up the, the idea of residency, because that's something like we've mentioned previously is a very different concept in America. But also one of the biggest thing is, things is that in Italy, to be able to get covered under the National Healthcare Service is that you need to have a residency somewhere um, and sign up under the local uh, health um, health committee, health, uh, health services. And that's where you will actually also receive your European healthcare card, um, which is integrated into the local healthcare card. Although there are some uh, areas like, exempt, for example, where we are currently, where you have a local healthcare card, but you also have the national slash European card. But if you have the national slash European card, you technically don't even need the local health card. It just ends up kind of being something that you can file away. And one other thing that's also important for somebody who lives in Italy, but not necessarily tied to their residency, is their codice fiscale. What exactly is that? A codice fiscale is an alphanumeric number assigned to a person born in Italy. So it's given to the person born in Italy at birth. For those people who were not born in Italy and need a codice fiscale for whatever reason, because they live in Italy or because they live abroad, but they have to purchase properties in Italy, they can apply for it through the Italian consulate if they reside abroad or through the local revenue office if they reside in Italy. And as we said in another video, we may use the word tax code, but having a tax code doesn't mean that you are a taxpayer in Italy. It's just that it's also used to pay taxes, but it doesn't mean that you have to pay taxes if you have a tax code, especially if you don't reside in Italy. So I think we explained this in another episode. Yes. And um, just also tying this back to um, the subject of residency, another important Italian document that you will need that is um, very important would be the Carta d'Identità. Yes. People who reside in Italy can apply for a Carta d'Identità and they can apply for the ID in the municipality at the town hall where they reside. So... If you reside in a specific Italian town, through the town hall, you can apply for your Italian ID. It used to be like a paper document folded 
and now it's like a plastic card so much much easier to carry around i arrived in italy just at the time where they were transitioning from the paper cards to the new uh, electronic ids and so i actually still have one of the old paper ids that folds over it's like it feels like just a floppy little card so even if you go to some of the the tobacco stores here or like a little store where you can, like a, i guess the equivalent of a dollar store they still sell at a lot of places the covers for those yes. old cases or the cover the cover slash cases for those old ids um because if you were to just put this paper card in your in your wallet alone it would deteriorate which is one of the really great reasons why they have um these new electronic cards because they actually they stand up to the test of time but Moving on to something that is also attached to residency, but not necessarily in Italy, the AIRE. What is that? The AIRE is the registry of Italian citizens residing abroad. So if you are an Italian citizen who doesn't reside in Italy, you should register with the AIRE. Normally you register through an Italian consulate and being registered with the AIRE means that you can have access to the services of the consulate. So if you have to register the birth certificate of your child, if you have to register a divorce, if you have to renew your passport or even vote for the elections, you should be registered with the AIRE, which is a registry held jointly by the Italian consulate and the municipality where you were residing in Italy prior to moving to the foreign country. Just a clarification for people who applied for citizenship by descent, they are registered with the IRA automatically and they are registered through the consulate in the municipality where the ancestor was born, the Italian-born ancestor. And just for the last term that we're going to talk about for today, which is much more relevant to the subject of Italian citizenship by naturalization and, and Italian citizenship, their marriage, yure matrimoni, the B1 language certificate. What is that? How do people find it? It's a subject I know you get a lot of questions about. The citizenship law was changed in 2018. We talked about this in a different video. And just for people who are applying for citizenship through marriage, so not for people who are applying for citizenship by descent, those people, they need a B1 linguistic certificate proving that they are fluent in Italian. B1 indicates, indicates the level of fluency um, according to the European standards that are like six levels, like A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2. So B1 is right in the middle. So you have to take a language test and obtain this linguistic certificate to be able to apply for citizenship through marriage. And then a quick question also about something that can be confusing to some people is that we've talked about European Union and we've also talked about the Schengen area. What are they and what's the difference between the two? The Schengen area is a list of countries that have agreed to the European principle of freedom of movement which means that if you have to travel from one country to another country within the Schengen area, uh, there is no more like border control like between one country and the other. So there is like basically complete freedom of movement. Moving on to another question about terminology, which is quite similar and can be confusing, would be the difference between a consulate and an embassy. What's the difference between the two? Normally, in a foreign country, there is one embassy and several consulates. For example, um, talking about the U.S., there's an Italian embassy in Washington, D.C., and Italian consulates in Washington, D.C., and in other areas of the U.S. 
the embassy is a main office which represents Italy in the US and that coordinates the work of all of the other consulates. The consulates are offices where you can apply for citizenship, apply for a passport, renew your passport, register the birth certificate of a child, which are things that you don't do at the embassy because the embassy just coordinates the work of the consulates. The embassy has more to do with international relationships between the country where the embassy is and the country that is represented by the embassy. And at the embassy, there is an ambassador. At the consulate, there are consuls. Anyway, I think this is a good place to wrap it up because we have covered a lot of ground and gone over a lot of information very quickly. So I'm assuming that it would be necessary for some people to watch through this at least a couple of times because I know I'm going to have to watch through this one again. But anyway, of course, if you would like to know more information about the Italian citizenship process and even would like assistance with that process, Marco and his team at Italian Citizenship Assistance are available to assist you. You can go to italiancitizenshipassistance.com contact and you can find a contact form over there. And on the website, they also have a lot of wonderful information about the Italian citizenship process where you can read a lot more about what's going on. And also we have this YouTube channel here about Italian citizenship and we also do the Italian real estate podcast for those of you who are interested in the topic of purchasing property here in Italy. And for those of you who are interested in moving to Italy, life in Italy, living in Italy as a dual citizen, as an expat, I also have my own YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Rafael Di Furia. Of course, we have been here with Italian attorney and head of the U.S. office of italiancitizenshipassistance.com, Marco Permunian, and I am Rafael Di Furia, and we will see you all next time. Later. Thank you.